Paula Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PalaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Off we go, off we go on a Thursday afternoon. Welcome inside the program. Jeff is out this week. I've got you today till 3. Tomorrow until 3, we are, of course, monitoring everything Kyle Rittenhouse related. We are uh, a good chance we'll get maybe a recess here uh, within the hour, a, a, a lunch break, as it were. And we anticipate, I mean, you never know how these things go. I think we've all learned that through this case so far based on any number of examples, um, could have closing arguments before the day is out, maybe tomorrow. And when that happens, when those closing arguments happen, we will carry them live right here on WTMJ. So you better believe we'll get you, we'll, uh, we'll have you covered in that respect. Coming up after the 1 o'clock news, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more at length with Mike Spaulding, who has been um, watching and, and taking in this trial and, and the testimony, uh, basically every minute of this trial, um, WTMJ's Mike Spaulding has been uh, uh, taking copious notes. He'll give us kind of a, of a, of a catch up as to what has happened today. And, uh, cause I know many of you are able to tune in, tune out. You get little snippets here and there and we'll do our best to kind of catch up on the day. This show will not conclude at three o'clock without you hearing from the man who normally occupies this chair, Jeff Wagner who was a guest on Wisconsin's Morning News earlier today, will join, uh, will uh, we'll bring back that audio, because he gave his thoughts on the, I don't know, what would you say, bizarre, um, is remarkable too strong a word, everything that unfolded through yesterday. Anyway, I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, get Jeff's comments during Jeff's show. You know, I was thinking about this, so we'll do that after 1 o'clock. Have you, Kyle, uh, producing as always, have you and your bride, have you guys turned your heat on yet? This is this is a big week for those of us that are holding out when it comes to the heat situation because, as we heard in the in the forecast a moment ago, we are at a, this is uh, between right now and like tomorrow at this time, bottom's going to drop out. We're going to get flurries going by tomorrow. It's just a miserable day outside right now. And this is the point in the year where... I dig in. How long can I go before I turn my heat on, albeit in an apartment? And I still haven't done it. And so far, so good. There were a couple of, Kyle, there were a couple of, what would I say, 50-50 days last week, within the last couple of weeks. So what about you at the palatial Pachinski household. No, it's on. It's been on, it's been on for a while. <laughs> oh, come on. But weak. I, you're weak. I live in a duplex uh-huh. on the main level, so the heat, you know, typically it's easier if you're mm. on a second level. Basement isn't heated, so uh, usually we're kind of sandwiched in. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's been on for a few weeks. Right. Yeah, this is, um, I in my mind, in my mind, I kind of hold out until the the thermostat in the apartment, until that hits below 60. 
when it when, when we're getting into fifties, it gets a little chilly. I have the advantage of being on the fourth floor, the top floor, so you get some of that heat that rises. Is that right? Is that scientifically right? People, if, the, if the third person, if the third floor person below you right. has their heat on, you're going to be affected by that for sure. Oh no! I mean, is it? I, I feel like every time I mention this, every fall, somebody will call. It's not actually the heat that rises; it's the the air, right? Okay, you, you get my point. You get my point. But this is this is for though, and I know there's some of you out there as well that are holding out, that are waiting, that are all right. One more day. One more day. Look at how much we're paying for so many things. How many inflation stories have you read, seen? or heard in the last 36 hours. Oh my gosh. Whether it's how we're going to get slammed for Thanksgiving, whether it's looking at what prices will be for our traditional holiday purchases, things like that. There's even a Santa shortage. I don't know if you if you notice that. There's a Santa labor shortage. Whispering. Don't let the kids hear me say that. Yeah. Malls may not have Santa this year. So... You factor in all of that, you factor in all of that, and if I can if I can keep my energy bill a little bit lower, a little bit lower for an extra day or two, I feel like every every penny counts. And I think for some people it's more of a um I think it's more of a well, what's the temperature in my house than it is a date. There are some people who nope, November first, heat goes on. That's the date. Doesn't matter if we're going through a warm stretch, cold stretch, an in-between stretch. November 1st, it goes on. I think that's ridiculous. Why would you just arbitrarily start it on a date when it's unnecessary? So I'm in the, I'm staunchly in the camp of don't turn the heat on until it's absolutely necessary. Now, when we get into the 50s, perhaps, then I'll have a decision to make. Could I get it into the 40s? Let me just say say this. If I were to tell you that today it was going to be 48, 49 degrees, I think we would all be pretty happy about that. Really? That's a nice day. An outdoor 48 or 49 degree temperature is different is different than walking into your house and it's 48 or 49 degrees. Isn't that funny? It's just a different chill. The interior 48 the indoor 48, 49 feels colder than an outdoor 48 49 but i'm still going strong am i what if i can make it to thanksgiving without turning the heat on i would take that as a challenge you're going to challenge me to do that I, i would take that as a personal point of pride i don't know this is a very difficult time in the next 24 36 48 hours for those of us that are still holding out and not yet turning on the heat Some of you calling me cheap on the text line. Others are standing with me in solidarity. When we come back, when we come back, an interesting story out of Baraboo High School, which raises a larger question about, and we've discussed this, and Jeff has over the years, how long is too long, how short is too short, when it comes to memorials, when it comes to leaving those flowers that sign those candles up in honor of someone who lost their life. How long is too long? Is it possible that it's too long to keep up a memorial? There's a battle going on in Baraboo between high school administrators and high school students about a couple of classmates that lost their lives. We'll get into that next. Scott Warris in for Jeff on WTMJ.
You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're the tax on the 920. We waited until Thanksgiving once to turn on the furnace. Only used a space heater in the bathroom in the morning, if needed. When we finally broke down and had to turn on the furnace, it did not work. Okay, there's something to be said for making sure it's operational. Maybe you can test it. Okay, it's working fine. Well, turn it off, and we don't need it yet. Dave in Germantown says, Scott, stay strong. Stay, stand firm. Don't turn on that heat. Um, we haven't turned ours on yet either, and our home was built in 1860. 1860? We are holding at around 66-ish. Hmm. Don't set up an indoor 40s temperature. That can contribute. Somebody else says that can contribute to mold, mildew, plus on frigid days, even the ambient temp is still well above pipes. Yeah, I don't have to worry about pipes, but I know some of you do. Okay. For a long time, um, there has been discussion, debate, back and forth about memorials. And I remember, okay, I don't know when it was, some years ago, the debate was, well, how long is too long? When is it that roadside memorials need to be taken down? Um, I still, nowadays, maybe not on the interstate system, but on side streets, right? In neighborhoods, every once in a while, I'll be at a light and I'll look to my left and there in the median at the base of the light pole is a a candle or two, um, maybe a teddy bear, maybe a photo, some some flowers. And obviously that is an indication that someone lost their life in that intersection on that street. And I know for a fact there are some in neighborhoods where I drive that have been up for a very long time, for years, in fact. And, of course, if there isn't upkeep to them, they get worn, they get weathered, the flowers aren't very flowery anymore, the candles have long since been extinguished. Maybe if there was a picture, it's damaged by wind and rain and snow or whatever. But you can see that there's a memorial there. And for people who knew the individual that lost their life, when they go past that point, they never forget and for people who didn't know what happened, you see it, and, and it, if you're like me, it, it hits you to varying degrees that, wow, right where I'm parked or right where I'm idling my, in my car, somebody lost their life. And that wouldn't be the case if it weren't for these memorials. The debate is unfolding right now in Baraboo. Baraboo High School. Students are demanding an apology from school officials after the school removed memorials from the lockers of two students killed in a car crash last month. Okay? So these two individuals lost their lives in October. We are on uh, November 11th today. Baraboo High School junior Jack uh, Blessinger said he went to school Monday morning to find the memorial he created for his friends was no longer there said, I didn't think the school could do something like this that I thought uh, I thought they had more respect. So, met with staff, 
Students were dissatisfied with the school's choice to remove the memorials, so they responded with a protest. They placed sticky notes with the letters LLA and LLF, which mean Long Live Adelaide and Long Live Faith, the two students, on dozens of lockers at the school. Uh, Jack said, all the kids that cared and the principal just went down and took all the sticky notes away. One senior said the school did not respond well to their protest, telling students they could be charged with vandalism. In a news release, okay, let's give you the other side here, Baraboo officials, school district officials said, while they understand the memorials are part of the grieving process for some, they stated it can also negatively affect others. The memorials placed at student lockers were relocated to the Baraboo High School Student Services area to prevent, and here's the key, this is the part I want to focus in on, to prevent the potential for re-traumatizing students and staff. Hmm. Officials said the memorials will remain on school grounds until the end of the week when they will be given to the victims' families. Again, the memorials that have been moved from the lockers to the... um office area there in essence at the end of the day going back to uh, jack blessinger this was a student at the end of the day it's more traumatizing to take down the memorials this this quickly i interpret he means than to keep it up it's long live adelaide and it's long live faith and the school doesn't seem to realize that now students are going to have another walkout tomorrow morning in protest of this action and hold a moment of silence for the victims and demanding an apology from the school. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Here's the the angle that I want to go at, at least first, okay? What's more traumatizing? Is it more traumatizing to have these memorials at the lockers and students and staff seeing them every day as they walk through? Or is it more traumatizing to have taken them down to have taken them down and it sounds like consolidated them all at um, or in this office area hmm? the uh, student services area to prevent the potential for re-traumatizing the students what's more traumatic i would contend there is something said to be said for the grieving process and quite frankly the moment those signs the moment that those memorials are taken down off the lockers the more likely it is that the students will be forgotten now i realize it's maybe not possible to have those things up for the rest of the school year but less than a week less than a week 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Based on the story, based on the reporting that's been done, I think the school jumped the jumped the gun a little bit in in taking these things down. Um I think you need to allow these students to grieve. You need these students to have their way of memorializing their former student, their former friends, their former classmates. And what's wrong with allowing this at the lockers for a little longer? Maybe till the end of the month. Maybe give it a month after their passing. I don't know. This just seems really quick. And this is not a good look, in my opinion, for the Baraboo 
uh, district. But but what say you? Maybe you um, lost a classmate at some in high school, college, and I never did, not to this extent. And so I, I have not personally been touched in a situation like this. Maybe you have. And if you have, I'm particularly interested. How best can a student body and classmates grieve at the loss of fellow friends and fellow classmates? I just think the high school getting a little ahead of itself. Just wait. Just give it a little more time for these kids to honor their friends. 855-616-1620. Your calls and your texts as we continue on a Thursday. Scott in for Jeff. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff on vacation. I'm Scott Warris. Your calls and your texts. If you're on the line, hang on. Open lines for you at 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, it's, it's a very sensitive topic. How long is too long for memorials, and specifically in Baraboo, when a couple of students lost their lives last month in a car crash, and students had set up memorials at these two individuals' lockers. School district or officials came in, took the memorials away. The students protested by putting sticky notes with uh, the letters of their names on every locker. Guess what? Day later, school went through and ripped all the sticky notes off the lockers. The memorials have been placed in the student services area. There's going to be another walkout tomorrow morning. Um, some of you on the text line have hit on, I think, a real key in this and, and the calls as well. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you're looking for summer to watch Sunday's Packers game, how about this? I got an idea for you. Join WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga. At Fox's Pub in Greenfield, Deb will be there from 3 until 6. Remember, it's a late afternoon game between the Pack and the Seahawks. But Debbie will be there from 3 until 6. Fox's Pub in Greenfield, games, prizes, so much more. Plus, it doesn't say this here, but she's going to give her inside analysis on the game. See, that's something we only get here behind the scenes. Um, plus, enjoy Miller Lite and Coors Light bottles for three twenty-five or two twenty-five for taps. I wonder how fired up she gets at a Packers game. I know some people get pretty riled up. It's the Miller Lite Packers watch party. WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga will be there Sunday, 3 to 6, Fox's Pub in Greenfield. If you want more info, head to WTMJ.com. Discussing the situation at Baraboo High School. Um, I'll give you the date. These students lost their lives in this car crash on Friday, October 29th. So the first, what would you say, the first day of school where everybody was back together again, would have been last Monday. So Monday, November 1st, would have been the first day back at Baraboo High School after the accident the prior Friday, where they lost their lives. What's more traumatizing, taking down this particular memorial that students had put up outside the lockers or keeping it up? Students say the fact administration has taken it down uh, less than two weeks following the accident is more traumatizing. Others, the admin says you keep it up every day, that traumatizes people who see it. Could be a, could have been a better solution, I think, 
855-616-1620, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What say you? Let's go to the phones here. Mary, waiting patiently from Milwaukee. Good afternoon, Mary. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well. How do you unpack this? Well, when I was a freshman in high school, I lost a classmate to brain cancer. Um, Some of us had known her in middle school, and some of us had never met her since she never quite made it into school, but we had stayed in touch through letters and stuff like that. She passed away in the winter. And um, if the school had taken down the memorial, it's not a re-trauma. We were already traumatized. You have to move through grief. You can't just pass over it. When you remove that, what you have done is increase the trauma for every student that ever met her, or them in this case. And that's essentially what they did. They prevented the students from moving through their grief and processing. A week is not long enough. Mm. Take me back to that situation, Mary. Did you and your classmates have some sort of memorial at that student's locker? We did. Um, again, like I said, she didn't make it to high school, but she had been designated a locker. Right. Um, and we put up signs, and the, and the school had let us. The school had let us do it, and it stayed there. Trying to think, it was in the winter. It probably came down during the next long school break, mm. um, when the when they did like a full school cleaning and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but again, at that point, the impact was significantly less. Sure. And. I, this was 20 years ago, and I still remember this, and she wasn't someone that I knew well. Yeah. So the people that were her good friends, who thought about her all the time, who had grown up with her, who had been playmates, who all those things, taking that down any sooner would have been a terrible, terrible violation of their grief process. Yeah, you know, and I don't have, <laughs> I don't see photos of these memorials, but there's also no comment, because somebody, uh, Mary, somebody texted in, well... Maybe the memorial was blocking the hallway. You know, these high school hallways can be be pretty cramped during passing times when you've got the flow of traffic back and forth and and whatnot. I I get that, but the, you know, no, nobody mentioned that. Well, it was it was getting so overwhelming in the hallway that for a safety issue, we just had to move. They didn't say that, so I'm I'm not taking that into account. Um, Look, if there was if there was a safety concern, then I would say bring that up with the students right. and ask them to please contain right. the memorial just, within I, one foot of the locker. I mean, this story was posted this morning, so the the student was interviewed yesterday. It's like less than two weeks. It's basically Monday through Friday of last week, so that's five school days. Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday of this week, so seven or eight school days. That just strikes me as awfully quick. To take it down. If we in were a month... Almost every... Yeah. It, I was, I was going to say, in addition, pretty much every culture allows for a grieving time period. And if you think even of adults, if you told an adult, you know what, it's time to move on, it's been a week, I think that would be extreme. And you're talking about teenagers who feel things a lot deeper, um, their emotions are a, a lot closer to the surface, and what you have told them is, we have moved on, and now you have to also. Mm-hmm. Mary, I appreciate your comment, your perspective, and your call. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, before I get to Jason in Pewaukee, a text from the 262. I see both sides, but the rational and sensitive approach for the school would have been to reach out to some of the organizers of those memorials and come to agreements to move it to a different area. Moving it on their own is far beyond insensitive and a huge lack of leadership. 
they're getting to, I think, the crux at the uh, crux of the matter, which could have avoided a lot of this. We'll get to that. Jason in Pewaukee, your turn. Hello, Jason. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks for the call. Um, as I told your screener, um, not quite a classmate scenario. I had a principal commit suicide in grade school, mm-hmm. kind of too young, you know, to maybe give it an analogy. But my mm-hmm. daughter, who in eighth grade, lost a teacher to suicide after, you know, really this teacher being her favorite teacher. And I think it comes down to how, to what kind of your texture said is leadership. And how are the, how are you planning to deal with mental health issues? And in my case, I thought the school did a really good job of providing sort of flexibility in that grieving process, but then about a month later decided they weren't going to put anything in the yearbook about this teacher who had obviously committed a lot of years of service to the programs he was involved with. And I ended up having conversations with the principal and got some of these same answers of almost like dumbing it down to the lowest common denominator because of X, Y, and Z. And, and I never remember, I'll never forget when I asked him, about are you confident that you have planned and provided the grief process like your prior caller said and everybody was like hell yes we've done a great job this is awesome and my question to them is why don't you trust that process then and why don't you have some leadership to figure out what the best way is Mm -hmm. to have a, a conversation and or a place in the yearbook but basically they wanted to sweep it under the rug make it go away and it just seems to lack any empathy, kind of consultation, or leadership around mental health. And and I think that's a, a clear example here: lack of planning, lack of leadership, lack of transparency. I can't add anything to that. Well said, thank you, Jason. A um, couple of good texts here that I want to read. Um, two six two says. Stuff like this can be handled well if you just talk and communicate prior to do some prior to doing something. Another te- it's a communication problem. Students who were closely affected should have been part of the conversation to determine when would be the best time to relocate the memorials. Somebody else does bring up the we don't know the physical layout of the, where the lockers are. It could be disruptive. Um, you know, perhaps they move the memorial to a place where people could privately recognize the loss of students. But that that's not in the story. And I imagine if that was an overwhelming, like I said to um, to the first caller, if that was an overwhelming factor, like I would have mentioned that. If I'm the administrator being interviewed by a local news department because of the, my students are protesting, I would say, look, we, we couldn't get the kids through the passageway, through the hallway, because this the, the memorial was so overwhelming. They didn't say that. So I I, I don't know that that was the case. And Mitch says the grieving process takes longer for different people, especially for younger people who haven't gone through it. Maybe the adults shouldn't have decided based on their experience, but rather the students. A lot of you are making some really great points. Uh, somebody, give me a freaking break. Three exclamation points, by the way. The school is completely out of line. It's more traumatizing to take it down. Perhaps it will also remind kids that being in a car can be extremely dangerous. Just a, Just an absolute shame. And the question of the entire, the question of the entire story, I think, is summed up by someone who asks, "I wonder what kind of communication there was between the students and me and the administration. Did students ask to put up the memorial? Did the administration talk to the students about an end date? Communication goes a long way, and I think that is my biggest takeaway. Yes, based on the story as we have it, 
the facts as we know it. I think it was just too soon. It was too soon. Like I say, it happened on the Friday the 30th, which means the first school day for everybody to be back amongst each other and not in the presence of those two young people would have been Monday the 1st. That was last Monday. And by early this week, less than two weeks, less than 10 days maybe, it's it's taken down already. And then the protest is to put a a post-it note with their letters, their initials, in essence, on every student locker. And administration came down and ripped down the post-it notes. Really? I mean, leadership, 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 and communication. And maybe it's fair to say the students, whether it's um, this uh, junior Jack Blessinger, share some responsibility in communicating with the administration. And it certainly feels, doesn't it, like this was very avoidable, that this was if students and faculty and administration really could have worked together. Okay, what is the plan to honor these students? Before we rip it down, you're telling me nobody in the administration said, look, before we take down the memorials at these two lockers, let's just, maybe we can talk to some of the students who were their closest friends or if they have like a student government body or something, could we just talk to some sort of representatives among the... Is this the best thing to do? And if we do it, how can we do it? Communication could have been better all the way around. Some leadership, I think, from the school side. And maybe a little more empathy. And I realize that the administration did what they did in allowing counselors, bringing in counselors, as, as schools often do during tragedies like this, to help help with the, the recovery, the grieving process. I don't know that, did this help the grieving process or not? I say no. And by doing that, they did a disservice to all those other students who lost these friends or at least knew of them and were perhaps traumatized for it. Communication goes a long way. And every day in our news cycle, we have examples of that. This is one. It's a tragic one. It's a sad one. And we wish the best to the students of Baraboo High. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. WTMJ continues to be the place for the most in-depth, comprehensive coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial as it plays out in Kenosha. They're on a recess lunch break (laughs) right now. Our uh, All of our analysis, and uh, whether it's any of the experts we've had on, some of the commentary as well, find analysis throughout the trial, of course, right here on air. You can find it online at WTMJ.com. Just click on the banner at the top of the page. The, uh, you can't miss it. And, of course, on the app, the mobile WTMJ mobile app. To access our coverage, by the way, including a live video stream from the courtroom when they are in session, simply text the word Kenosha. K-E-N-O-S-H-A. I always have to spell the word, no matter how simple you may think it is. Always spell the word for the people. K-E-N-O-S-H-A, Kenosha, to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. By the way, you can keep listening because Mike Spaulding, who has uh, been following this trial every minute of the way and uh, been doing a great job in reporting, uh, he's going to stick with us after the news here at 1, and we'll get a little update from Mike as far as what has happened so far today through the morning hours, where we stand, where we sit. Could we see closing arguments before the day is out, or is that something we are more likely to see tomorrow? However, I'd be remiss if I did not allow the man who sits in this chair to offer his thoughts 
After all, Jeff Wagner, of course, a former federal prosecutor, a recovering lawyer, as he likes to say. And earlier today, on Wisconsin's Morning News, Jeff Wagner um, joined uh, Eric Bilstad and Jane Matinair to give his reaction and his thoughts on what unfolded yesterday, which was, I don't know, is eventful an accurate term to describe everything that happened with Rittenhouse breaking down on the stand, the uh, request for a mistrial, all that happened yesterday. So earlier this morning, the man who normally sits in this chair, Jeff Wagner, joined Eric and Jane to give his thoughts on the trial to date, heading into today's proceedings. So the, the, the Rittenhouse testimony, I think most uh, defense attorneys or attorneys in general would say that he did very well for his side of the case yesterday. The back and forth with the prosecution, what were they trying to do? And was the prosecution out of line, do you think, with what happened with the judge? Well, it, the, the prosecutor, the, the, look, th- this is a case that's a, always been a difficult case for the prosecution because it, it screams reasonable doubt. I, Rittenhouse, to me, comes across as a, as a kid who made some stupid decisions, got himself quickly in over his head, and then everything kind of escalated. So they're trying to portray him as, I don't know, something more, maybe a little bit more evil, et cetera, et cetera. So they were trying to rattle him. The prosecution did two things that justifiably drew the ire of the judge. First of all, a big no-no is you cannot, as a prosecutor, comment on a defendant's refusal to testify. That, that's absolute. People have an absolute right under the Fifth Amendment not to testify. So the prosecution starts off by saying, well, you could have told your story other times and you didn't until today. That's, that's commenting on a refusal to testify, and it's the type of thing that if you get a conviction could get a case reversed. So that's number one. That's why the judge was upset about that. Secondly, they're trying to portray Rittenhouse as a bad guy. So they want to introduce what's called other acts evidence, you know, statements he made a couple weeks before. This had come up in pretrial hearings, and the judge had said, look, I'm not going to rule on this now. Let's see how the trial goes, and then you, you can revisit this. Well, the prosecutor just blasted ahead without giving the judge an opportunity to decide the ruling. And the judge was furious, and justifiably so. The prosecutor should have said, judge, I think given the testimony, he's opened the door for this, and then you have a hearing and the judge makes a ruling. The prosecutor just bypassed all that, and, and that's what created the issue. Jeff, did the prosecution overshoot? Should they have maybe not gone for such uh, high charges? Well, the, the, the problem, Jane, is that this case is what it is. I, I mean, I think you know, there's always the possibility maybe when they get to the jury instruction that they may give the jury options of what we would call lesser-included offenses, if there are any there. But, but this is a case that the prosecution, just because of all the stuff going on, really had, had to take. And I think maybe they were hoping that Rittenhouse came away in a different perspective. But, I mean, truthfully, who knows how the jury is perceiving this? Because I know there's a lot of people out there that think, regardless of what the technical instructions on self-defense might be, you've got a 17-year-old who shouldn't have had a gun, who starts all this chaos in motion. And, and we don't know how the jury is going to react to that. As far as mistrials go, are there different types of mistrials if one to be ruled? Right. right. There, there's two types of mistrials. The most common mistrial is one without prejudice. What that means is that you start over. You can retry them. What the defense is asking for because of that, that whole Fifth Amendment thing we talked about is they want a mistrial with prejudice, which means you could not retry him. I, I 
I would be stunned. The judge isn't going to grant that uh, in, in a case like this. That is an extreme remedy that almost never would happen. The judge isn't going to grant a mistrial in this matter. The judge is going to let this go to closing arguments and go to the jury. Three more witnesses expected to take the stand today for the defense. In all seriousness, Jeff, thanks to you so much for taking a couple of moments. And uh, When you're on PTO, people are on PTO, but appreciate the time. Oh, no. Fascinating case. It, it's, it's certainly the trial of the year. It might be the trial of the decade. And that the ramifications, however this comes out, you, you know, they've got to be looking ahead because it's going to have some impact in Kenosha, and hopefully everything's going to be calm regardless of how this turns out. That, again, is the voice of Jeff Wagner, appearing this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News, giving his thoughts on everything that unfolded yesterday, heading into today, what has happened today, what have we learned today, and uh, what can we anticipate once they come back from recess? We'll get you kind of caught up after the news with Mike Spaulding on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Hour two of the Wagnerless program. Right before the news, I played for you Jeff's comments when he called into Wisconsin's morning news today. Reacting to what happened yesterday, well, we've had, since this morning, we've had several hours of additional testimony and whatnot in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, and Mike Spaulding, good to hang with us for a little bit longer here. As uh, Mike, as somebody who has followed this thing and every minute of it, quite frankly, and reporting on every minute of it uh, since it began last week, um, before we get to today, I'm just curious to pick your brain on yesterday's eventful day memorable day maybe the moment of the trial the one that will live on forever at least so far was uh, Rittenhouse breaking down on the stand um your takeaway from yesterday and everything that unfolded um my immediate takeaway was the defense of Kyle Rittenhouse his team is probably feeling pretty good Mm -hmm. um given not only how his testimony went which by all accounts was um better than than many had expected not often do you hear from the defense the or the uh the defendant himself or herself in a trial you did yesterday um but the, the the judge um, inserting himself into the conversation, I guess you could say, um, more than once, I want to say four or five times to frankly admonish the prosecutor for, uh, straying either too far from the point of the trial or trying to circuitously insert evidence into what was, or, or after it was already told to not be used in the trial, you know, whatever it is, it did not seem like a good day for the prosecution. And yeah, if you're looking back on like historical trials, it was the, OJ trying the glove on day. Huh. Like, it's the one that everyone's going to look back on and go, yep, that was, if there was an ever turning point in it, this that was the day, that was the moment. As you have then taken in the reaction to yesterday, other reports, other news entities and things like that, how have you interpreted or, or how, what have you observed in terms of how the public reacted to the way Rittenhouse broke down on the trial yesterday? How is that moment coming across maybe through some of the more national publications, the cable news networks that are only dipping in and and, and, and dipping out. They're not following it as closely as you are. I would say it's been 
somewhat mixed. I mean, it was very theatrical, not to say if it was real or, or, or not real, but it was a very theatrical moment, probably the most theatrical moment. We did have one earlier this week in which um, a, a person on the stand was asked to hold the hold the actual gun in a way that was held that evening. So it was like a guy pointing a gun at another guy in the courtroom, which was fairly intense. We didn't get a great glimpse of it. But as far as the actual Rittenhouse um a testimony himself. I, I would say it was it was mixed. It was better than most people thought. It was it's being hailed as a smart move by his defense team because he did hold up well. He has been, by all accounts, a good defendant. He you know, he, he hasn't been straying his eyes away. He hasn't been too animated. He hasn't been disinterested. I, I think he's been hitting all of the right notes so far. Isn't it amazing? And this is always the case, whenever a defendant actually sits in that chair and offers his or her own testimony. Isn't it amazing how we watch and try to interpret everything and anything other than the words that have come out of their mouth? Oh, did you see his eyes? Eh, it looks kind of shifty there. Did you see the way he glanced at the... Did you see the way he glanced? I, I, I noticed. I noticed. I was, I was traveling yesterday, so I just caught up briefly late. I noticed as, as he was beginning to cry, sob, I don't know, whatever the word is. You want His eyes looked over to the jury. And for a moment I thought, is he checking to see if they're reacting to his re- his his breakdown or whatever? But we watch the nonverbals and, and the the eye glances and well he's scowling more than he should. It's it's amazing. And this is not unique, like I say, it happens every time a defendant takes a stand. This one is really interesting too because so much of the trial is playing out you know, on every single T V station, on our air, on every on social media. How much how much this trial has been about what can you confer from social media videos because so much of this evidence is people who were literally walking around that night and happened to be um, at, at the right place at the right time with their camera pointed at the right angle. And so much of this trial is playing out on social media as it happens. The, the Rittenhouse breaking down yesterday, I think I saw probably 300 times on different accounts and how different moments can be broken into different parts. And, and, and I think that really goes to framing it a certain way, depending on what your Twitter feed looks like, I think is how you sure. would feel about sure. what you saw yesterday. But it just is an interesting dynamic with you know a bit here and a five seconds here, 20 seconds here. You saw a lot of the judge yelling at Thomas Binger yesterday. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And Thomas Binger is. He is the lead prosecutor. Yeah, yep. Um, he, he's been leading most of the prosecution. He's the assistant DA in mm. Kenosha. Okay, so that was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, I want, if you could, Mike, just kind of help us understand and walk through what has happened today. Mm-hmm. They're currently still in a recess. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Um, we'll kind of get caught up on the events of this day. And I don't know, I'll get your thoughts on if we could see closing ar- or hear closing arguments today, or is that more likely tomorrow as we give you the very latest on this Thursday edition of the Wagner List show and everything that is unfolding in Kenosha. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And a reminder, if you would like to, uh, once they are back in session, if you would like to uh, monitor the Activities in the courtroom, you can simply text the word Kenosha to 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Text Kenosha will send you a link to all of our coverage, including uh, a feed of the courtroom. Uh, WTMJ's Mike Spaulding, kind enough to give us some time as um, 
You should you should tell people you have we have a tiny um like a small little recording booth back in the studio. You have commandeered that recording booth <laughs> and made it your own. I went back there earlier. He's got all his papers laid out, he's got the monitor going, the headphones are on, taking copious notes of everything that's unfolding in the courtroom, and I appreciate it. And I know everybody does as well. So if you could, mm-hmm. can you just give us a little outline? They're still in a recess today. Um, what we learned today um, as this thing works its way towards uh, um, the opportunity for the jury to deliberate, I imagine. Sure. So today we've gotten back to what I've been calling kind of the nuts and bolts testimony. Um, Dr. John Black, he is a use of force expert who was the subject of some media attention uh, two weeks ago because it was being debated back and forth between the defense and the prosecution as to whether he should be um, allowed to even be an expert witness. And uh, it, it turned out he was, and he spoke today. His job, basically, has been to walk through a handful of these videos that were shot frame by frame, second by second, and kind of break down what you're seeing and he can kind of speak a little bit to um human responses things along those lines because he you know his his overall expertise is is use of force so he talked for a good chunk this morning um in the middle of his cross-examination kind of an odd moment actually um because some of this was so late getting into the court some of this is still being reviewed by the prosecution as far as evidence goes so he was excused from cross-examination he went to the back. He is working now to to go through some of this um, this evidence. Two more people were brought to the stand, one being a Kenosha police officer who was on scene the night and, and helped pick up evidence and things along those lines. The other is Drew Hernandez. He is a political commentator, kind of a, one of these freelance um, website running, you know, what? Facebook commentator, basically. Um, so he's testifying as well. He took a, a, a bunch of, of video, but it's basically not not anything near as explosive as what we saw yesterday. And these are the final three witnesses. So what's going to happen after lunch is um, Hernandez will continue being cross examined. Black will then or Dr. Black will then come back out, finish the cross examination. At which point we'll be done. Now that could take three hours. We don't know. You know, it, it, it could take a while, but we are nearing the end. They're the final three witnesses on the subpoena list. And uh, we could, my expectation is that the jury will get kind of the their order, the rules today, oh. and we'll get closing arguments to first thing tomorrow morning. Okay. Does the prosecution get to call back any witnesses? I don't believe so, no. This they is don't. the end, because the Judge Schrader said this morning, um, he thought that the jury would begin deliberating on Monday. He had his days actually confused. He thought yesterday was Friday. And it turned out yesterday was Thursday. Um, and so th- things might have gotten sped up. You know, it depends on the weekend. The weekend is going to be very interesting to see because it's it's do you want to, if you are the prosecution or the defense, mm-hmm. put sort of this artificial time crunch on the jury heading into a weekend because if they are going to be sequestered, that means you are going to be, quote-unquote, threatening people with being stuck in a hotel for one of the last weekends before the holidays start, and that sounds punitive or whatever, but it is life. Life has to go on to do people who have been going to the courtroom every day for two weeks and now want to be stuck in a room together. So um, that's kind of what I'm keeping my eyes on. Next thing I want to see. Right. Uh, you know, one of the big storylines out of yesterday was also the request, the motion to declare a mistrial. Yeah. Did the judge um, deny that request first thing this morning? Has he taken it up yet? I have. Or not is seen- that just kind of... 
you know, I have out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I have not seen an official ruling on the mistrial. He did say yesterday, after it was requested, you, you then heard this back and forth between the prosecution and the judge. He said, I don't want to do this, and essentially mm-hmm. told Thomas Binger, again, who's the lead prosecutor, you have like one more chance to not let this come up again, or else I will be forced to make a ruling on this. So I, you know, the last thing he wants to do is declare a mistrial when we're nearing the very end, and also um, it would be with prejudice, which means th- it would be done. A mistrial would be declared, and it would be done. You, you, they wouldn't be able to bring it back around. So that that was kind of an added layer of um, seriousness, I guess you could call it, or, or non levity, yeah. heaviness. So. Okay, so if all goes according to plan, mm-hmm. quote unquote, good chance we're done with testimony today. Yeah. And that would set up closing arguments first thing in the morning, which means the jury could begin deliberation late morning or after lunch, maybe tomorrow. Interesting. Yeah. And, but those closing arguments could take an hour each. Right. You know, I mean, closing arguments are the opposite of opening statements they're they're very long because they're kind of recapping and i would think that the def- or the prosecution uh has a lot of explaining to do because again i don't think it has gone the way that they maybe thought mm-hmm. it was going to go is there any big picture here do you have any sense from you know people you've talked to down in kenosha that regardless of how this verdict ends up do you have any sense of how the community will respond and react because I think that is, I think for me, that's certainly one of the things in the, in the back of my mind is okay, whether it's guilty or not guilty or, or some varying degree of maybe guilt on some of the charges and not all of them, what type of reaction will the public have? And we all want peace in Kenosha again and nothing on par, not even close to what, well, what was the, the, um, the reason for the Rittenhouse situation in the first place. Any sense as to how the public would react? Reading the tea, react? reading the tea leaves, um, it, it does not seem like it is as charged as it was. Obviously, back with um, the actual shooting of Jacob Blake, right. we also did not see any severe protests after the decision was made by the Kenosha County DA's office to not charge Officer Shesky with the shooting. There was no mass protest or violence or anything like that. So um, I'm not getting the sense there is, and I hope that I'm correct on that, but there has not been a large presence outside of the courthouse. Um, Jacob Blake's uncle has been out there every single day of the trial. You've had a few people here and there who have approached the courthouse, but the overall attention and focus... I I don't get the sense that it is um, as intense as it it was last year. Well, let's hope that that is ultimately the case. Okay, there you have it, Mike. Thanks for uh, sticking around, Mike Spaulding, who has been our go-to guy in our WTMJ News Department for everything Rittenhouse trial related, getting us caught up on what has happened over the first several hours today. And again, they are still in recess. And as soon as that uh, trial starts back up again in a little bit, You can catch live coverage if you want to access, again, the live stream from the courtroom. And all of our analysis, like that which Mike has brought, Jeff Wagner, and any number of guests, legal experts that have been on all the platforms, on all the shows since the trial began last week, all of our content 
related to the Rittenhouse trial. It has all been contained at WTMJ.com, including the link to the courtroom if you want to watch some of the trial. Text Kenosha to 855-616-1620. Text the word Kenosha to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620, and you will be up to speed. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Looking for somewhere to watch Sunday's Packers game? How about, here's a suggestion, how about you join WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga at Fox's Pub in Greenfield? Debbie will be there from 3 until 6. She will bring games with her. She will bring prizes with her and so much more, plus the game itself, of course. You can also enjoy Miller Lite and Coors Light bottles for three twenty-five or two twenty-five for taps. It is the Miller Lite Packers watch party with WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga. For more information, head to WTMJ.com. Has Odell Beckham Jr. signed with anybody, Kyle? Anybody? Thumbs up? No. Okay. I saw something on the ESPN bottom line that says reports are he's going to wait until Sunday night. To announce who he's going with whom he's going to sign. Okay, can I just offer this up real quick before the news? Are we blowing this out of proportion? The will he come to Green Bay? I Odell Beckham Jr., talented wide receiver. Have you actually looked at his numbers? I mean, like the last three years, he has done nothing. Could it? Not be said that Odell Beckham Jr. is making a career out of one of the greatest, admittedly greatest, catches in the history of the National Football League, realizing it came on Sunday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys, there were even more eyeballs on it, made one of the greatest catches of all time. And while he is talented, certainly, and what is this, seven years in, I think seven years in, six years in, you look at his numbers in the last three years. Take away the first two, three years in New York, and the guy is nothing special. Now, I'm not saying he could not be a welcome addition, but the fact that we are on this OBJ watch every 15 minutes. Is he anything? Anything? Is he here? Uh, I think part of, You know what I think part of it is for Packers fans? This is such rare... Air, the Packers never do this. So not unlike the J.J. Watt watch. Remember, we were on Watt watch for a while there. And after a while, I felt like his talents were almost being overblown. He's not that good anymore, J.J. Watt. But because, what What do you mean the Packers could maybe sign him? Could that really happen? It, we allowed ourselves to blow it out of proportion. And... Am I the only one who feels like we're kind of doing that with this guy? Again, could be a welcome addition, but does it warrant all the updates and all the hype and all the that he's getting? I don't know. Look at, was it uh, footballreference.com? That, that's the holy grail of NFL statistics, isn't it? Look at his numbers. Just do that during your lunch break or something, or just when you're taking... Look at Odell Beckham Jr.'s numbers. And tell me what in the last three, four years has you so excited about the contributions he could make. Brian D. made a great point this morning. I think it was this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. A lot of people are comparing what Odell Beckham Jr. could do. 
Not since the Packers signed the controversial Andre Risen way back in the day that helped them win the Super Bowl. Look at the numbers Andre Risen put up in, I think it was eight games with the Packers, seven, eight games with the Packers. He only had like, like 20 catches in eight games. It was like two catches a game. But people remember, had the big touchdown in the Super Bowl, right, from Favre. People remember that. They think his contributions were a lot more than they really were. I just think maybe we need to all pump the brakes on Odell Beckham Jr. If for no other reason than if he doesn't sign, you won't have the woe is me, the sky is falling reaction. Like a lot of you did when J.J. Watt decided to go to Arizona, take the money, and oh, by the way, he's injured and out for the rest of the year which is kind of his reputation the last few years. Just pump the brakes on OBJ. Would it be nice? Sure. But if it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world. Remember that (laughs) when you're disappointed on Sunday night, if that is really when he announces with whom he will sign. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. No, it's not. It's Scott. Sorry. I will say this about Odell Beckham. Scott, if he's not that good, why do you keep bringing him up? Just settle down. Because he has the ability to hurt you, you just say he's not that good. I just said we're hyping this a little more than we should. He's talented. I get it. I get it. I also would not want him to play for somebody else on the Packers' schedule the rest of the way, nor would I want him to go to somebody that could beat the Packers in the playoffs. So if he's not going to come here, don't go there. All right? There we go. Done and done. For the first time since pre, I don't want to say pre-COVID, maybe that's not the way to set it up. For the first time since pre-shutdown, I flew in an airplane this week. Yeah, I know many of you have traveled and gone things and you've been flying for months now. I, I realize that. But for me, it really was the first opportunity to do so. And I did. It was fine. You have to wear a mask in an airport. If you didn't know, you have to wear a mask on the airlines during the flight and all that stuff. And if you don't, at least on the American Airlines flight that I traveled, the flight attendant will come up to you. I saw it happen. Not to me, to others. They will come up to you and they will tell you, sir, ma'am, excuse me, sir, ma'am, you have to, you have to make, and you have to wear it correctly. Don't think you can get away with the old chin diaper. No, 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 no. You can't just put it over your nose and leave your mouth uncovered, nor can you just put it on your mouth and leave your They will come up to you, at least these flight attendants could, would, did, and they will, uh, uh, sir, uh, Kyle, no, they wouldn't know your name. Mr. Paczynski, they would call you. How do they know your name? Because you're popular. Mr. Paczynski, you got to, sir, you got to put the, the mask on the proper way. They will do that. When you're walking on the flight, when you're boarding the flight, when you walk over the threshold, uh, got to. Make sure you put the mask on proper way. Okay, it's fine. I'm okay with it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Been wearing masks long enough now. It's not a big deal, folks. Get over it. But what happened was unpandemic related. Waiting to leave, sitting there, right in the terminal, waiting to leave. All of a sudden, the person at the ticket counter that checks your ticket before you walk down the jetway comes on over the speaker. Your attention, please, uh, for all of you uh, looking to take flight number 1234, service to O'Hare. 
We are overbooked. Uh-oh. We need one of you to decide to take a later flight. We will. And then, and then I've never heard it put this candidly. I got to do the sound. Otherwise, you know, that helps. Them. Otherwise, we will not take off until. <laughs> he didn't laugh. We will not take off until one of you has decided to not go. What? Maybe it was just the candor with which this person. Who was a very candid clerk, ticket counter clerk, whatever the term is. Because as a side note, I went up there earlier to him and I needed a seat assignment because I didn't have a seat assignment. And he said, yeah, I'm not working on that yet. What? They were dealing with another flight issue for another plane. Yeah, I'm not working on that yet. Uh, Okay, I'll come back later. So this was a very candid individual working for American Airlines. But here's the thing. Here's what they said. They said, this plane will not leave. We cannot, we will not take off until one of you agrees to be bumped, in essence. Right? So, I didn't have a choice because I knew I was filling for Jeff today. Maybe if it was a different circumstance and I didn't have to work today or whatever, maybe I would have thought, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll wait six hours. I was in Fargo, by the way. I'll wait six hours here at Fargo International. I don't even know if it's international. I'll wait at Fargo International Airport and get a credit of how much. But here's my question. For those of you who are regular travelers, how much is worth holding out for when it comes to being bumped? And I've been in instances where they have then publicly announced, if you are willing to be bumped, we are willing to put you in a hotel overnight and give you a $250 airline credit, good for one year from today's date. Hmm. My gut says you, you hold out for anything under $500. And if they're going to put you up at a hotel, maybe there's some wiggle room. My gut told me it wasn't going to be an overnight thing. You would have to wait maybe five, six, seven hours and leave later that night. To those of you who are regular travelers, 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Give me some advice. Give each other some advice. The next time you're waiting for a flight that is overbooked, which is another topic, by the way. Why do they? Every flight is overbooked. They, they, they do this assuming people don't show and... It's a business model that apparently works well enough that they keep doing it. But, like, how much money should we be holding out for? Do you, Kyle, as before we go to the phones, 855-616-1620, is there a dollar figure for which you will hold out, and if they cross that threshold, okay, now you're talking my style. Okay, now we're talking big bucks. I'll take a $500 voucher. What? What what say you? I think it starts at around five hundred for me. I mean, I've never been in this position where I am able to just cancel my travel plans and be where I am for another day or right. so. That's a big part. Um, but yeah, I think it would have to be at least around five hundred dollars, enough for like a round trip, right? Uh, uh, and and extra that. Yeah, you have to think how much, and it's not just a one way. Think of a round trip ticket somewhere, mm -hmm. which is why I kind of go. F if if you if you hit me at five hundred now we're talking maybe now we can do a little a little uh, negotiation eight five five six one six one six twenty 
Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would also love to hear if you just got a really sweet deal. Scott, you'll never believe it. One time, we were flying back from New York, and it was overbooked, and me and my wife held out. They gave us a $1,000 travel voucher. They put us up in a hotel. They sent us out to dinner. Like, quite frankly, how much can you take the airline for when it comes to getting bumped? Because it's pretty brazen for these airlines to do this to us as consumers, as travelers. And if you're going to ask us to basically alter our entire day, maybe day and a half, you better make it worth our while. So what is it? What is it an airline can offer to make it worth your while? And maybe you have an anecdote of something you experienced Maybe you fleece the airline and you revel and relish it to this day. 855-616-1620. Your calls and your texts as we continue. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Texture on the 414. $600 flight voucher, meal voucher, bar voucher, and an extra night in the Bahamas. Boy, was my boss upset. My wife and I enjoyed the extra day of vacation. That sounds great and all. Again, if you're spending that extra day and all the voucher money in the Bahamas, all due respect to the member members, to the citizens of Fargo. What are they called? Fargoians? Fargoites? Fargo, North Dakota is not exactly the Bahamas. That's where I was. 855-616-1620. Hmm. All right. Al is in Milwaukee. Okay, Al. What's the threshold for fleecing the airline when they want to bump you? We were in Vegas coming back, and we got there like three hours early to check in, and my uncle wanted to gamble on the machine. They were looking for volunteers to take the four-hour later flight. And they offered us two round-trip tickets anywhere in the U.S. So I talked to him, and he said, yeah, I'll just stay here and gamble for four hours. I don't care. It's more hours I can gamble. (laughs) So (laughs) he's gambling. I'm sitting at a uh, restaurant eating lunch. And the ticket agent goes by, and she says, just so you know, there's room on your original flight. You can fly that. And I said, well, what happens to the two vouchers? And she said, just keep them. <gasps> oh, no kidding. You, you, that is the ultimate yeah, win-win. We flew our regular flight, and we got two round tickets. Wow. Ka-ching, ka-ching. That's a, oh, that's, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, we got them. <laughs> you did. Good job, Al. Thanks for that. That's so in the end, the spot opened up. They got on the original flight, and they were allowed to keep the vouchers. Wow. That's good stuff. Rick is in Muskego. All right, Rick, tell me the time you fleece the airlines. <laughs> well, there's two, actually, after hearing that last story. The most recent one, 2018, my wife and I were um, coming back from Italy. Um, we're at the airport in Rome, and the flight got canceled, or the, the 
canceled the flight because of mechanical reasons. So it's not the exact situation, but they gave us each um, a voucher for six, or actually they paid us cash, 600 euros, which is about $700, mm-hmm. uh, put us up at the Marriott, paid for our meals, and then flew us out the next day. So we were supposed to come home on a Saturday. Instead, we came home on a Sunday and got an extra day of spending in Europe for free. And um, the $700 essentially paid for our flights to Europe and back. That's so pre- that was, wasn't bad. That's pretty, good. That's pretty good. Yeah, Rome, again, you got to spend an extra day in Rome. That is pretty special. Thanks for the call, Rick. I will add, Rome and Fargo, not really the same. But I, I, I'm happy that that was the case. So we have a, somebody was Strand, Vegas, Rome, <laughs> Bobby in Milwaukee. Hello, Bobby. Hi. Okay, what's your story? Well, this was many years ago, probably about uh, maybe 25 years ago, if not more. My husband and myself and four of our children and uh, two grandchildren, we went to Hawaii to a meeting. Mm. And when we were scheduled to come home, we were in Maui. And the airline, United, called and said, oh, they can get us on a later flight because we didn't want to leave too early. And so we said, fine. And they said, come down and pick up your tickets. So we went down and picked up the tickets. And they said, well, for the inconvenience, well, it was not inconvenient. It was in our favor. We'll give you the vouchers for the cost from Maui back to Milwaukee. So we got the vouchers for all of us. And when we got home, and about maybe a month or two later, I get a packet from United with another set of tickets from Maui to Milwaukee. So we had, I believe it was 18 vouchers from United. Wow. Wow. Good one, Bobby. Thank you for sharing that. In this day and age, you put those things on eBay and see what happens. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, Gary and Sussex says the initial voucher was for $300. Because, again, I'm curious, how long do you hold out before you go, all right, we got a deal. Now they're finally going high enough. Started at $300. You'll never, you'll never guess how high the airline got before somebody took it. We'll get that story and, um, <laughs> and a couple more texts as well in just a moment. All right, let's get this story here. This gives me hope. Maybe I'm going to follow Gary's plan in the future. Gary and Sussex, go ahead. How high did the price get for your particular airline? It got to $3,000. We were flying to the Dominican Republic, and when we were boarding the plane initially, I mentioned to my wife, I thought, I just thought they heard they they, they started at three hundred. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, we weren't going to budge on that. We had the 60th party. We're meeting people, limited time. They just kept going higher and higher. And when we sat down in the plane, it was like a let's make a deal show. They would offer a price. No one took it. 700 800 It was like she went to her boss to go get permission to go higher because they must have needed somebody on that plane. And next thing you know, it was up to $3,000. And I think finally somebody raised their hands as the plane groaned. And a couple got off, wow. and another couple got up, and it was it was amazing. We couldn't believe it was that much money. They had to spend it within a year. Yeah. Flying, they put them up in a hotel for the night, right? 
and that was that was the deal. Do you know what strikes me about your story, Gary? Is they they had you all board the plane, and then they had two people get off the plane. Like in, in my situation yesterday and in the past, it's usually everybody's still sitting out waiting to board. You're still sitting in the terminal, and they make the announcement. Uh, we need to. At that point, they need somebody to back down and, and and allow themselves to be bumped. That's crazy that they boarded the plane and then would not take off until somebody physically got off the plane and, and took their bid. Yes, that's what they had to do because they, they weren't getting anybody taking the bite. Right. They, they tried the whole time. They had to start <laughs> boarding these people on the plane so it wasn't going to get delayed and kind of a thing. But finally, somebody... Somebody took it and they they left. So and that was I'll never forget. That. That's yeah. great. That's all, thanks, Gary. That's great. It, it's a it's a moment for the for the traveler for the consumer to fight back. I almost felt yesterday sitting there like, no, ladies and gentlemen, solidarity amongst all of us. Hell no, we won't go. Hold out. Two hundred. I think I think it was the starting bid yesterday was two hundred and fifty dollars. Come on, two hundred fifty dollars. What is that? I mean, I'm not even gonna. I, I don't even blink my eyes at $250. That's why I said $500 is my starting limit because I want to get a round-trip voucher. I want to get enough money on a voucher that allows me to go to and back from somewhere at some point within the next calendar year. That I love the fact that that whole plane, they just sit there in their seats. No, 800 No, 900 No, 1000 No, and they keep going higher and higher. Yeah, it's like, let's make a deal. $3,000. There is a winner. 815, what if you have a connecting flight you need to meet? How does the compensation change? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I got a connecting flight in Tallahassee. You're going to have to pay me a lot more. Somebody says we're retired now, so 400 to $500 is a good going rate as long as they bumped and compensated both of us. But before retirement, there would never be an amount that we would have accepted. Although if it got to 3000 you'd have to think about it. Okay, I appreciate that. I'll remember that, and maybe all of you will remember that as well the next time you're in a similar situation. Coming up after the news with Melissa Barclay. I'm going to do something that uh, I know Steve spent some time on his show, uh, the morning show as well. We're going to set aside uh, the, a few segments after the news and have you call in or text in somebody you would like to recognize here on Veterans Day to honor someone who is still with us, by the way, and that's kind of the delineation I make between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. I do this on Memorial Day as well, where we call in to remember those who are who are no longer with us, who've died, but who served. And today on Veterans Day, it's a day to, I think, focus in, especially on those who are still alive and served in our military. 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Who would you like to recognize? Who would you like to honor? On Veterans Day 2021, we'll open it up. The platform will be yours. Calls and texts on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Spending a couple of moments now here at the start of the 2 o'clock hour. On this Veterans Day, November 11th, 2021, and I thought to just open it up and I'll let you honor a veteran and someone who served or is still serving in our armed forces. An opportunity for you to give a shout out, as the kids would say, 
give a shout out to somebody who has devoted their careers to the military, put their lives on the line. And uh, who knows, they might be listening. They might hear it. And that is the the difference, I think, in doing this today as opposed to Memorial Day, where Memorial Day is predominantly reserved for those who served and who have died um, in the line of duty and to memorialize, as the word would tell you, memorialize their lives. And today is a day for those around us, those who are still with us, who are in the military or are retired ex-military, to say thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you are doing. And that's what I'd like to do for a couple of minutes, and I will just kind of open things up for all of you to do that. The texts are great. The calls, I think, sometimes are a little bit more effective in a moment like this, but I know not everybody can text. Uh, not, not everybody can call. Uh, at the given moment. 855-616-1620. Maybe you've never called in before. I'll give the number again. 855. I don't think you have to do a one before that. I think most phones know we're good. 855-616. Okay. One, six, two, zero. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If there are texts, I will do my best to pronounce the name. If you give a last name, I'm sorry. In advance, if I mispronounce his or her name, I'll do my best to uh, decipher the spelling and the pronunciation. But uh, let's start with the phones here. Let's start with Chris. Chris is in Cedarburg. Good afternoon, Chris. Who would you like to thank on this Veterans Day? Good afternoon. Um, I'd like to thank my father, who is in Korea. He's 88 years old and still functioning. And then my husband, um, who is a drill sergeant in Fort Benning, Georgia, who trained all the people who are going to be overseas. I appreciate the fact that you folks give us the platform to, um, you know, to, to put this out there because People are still living, and they're still functioning, and um, we just have to appreciate. We have to appreciate the ones who are still here, and um, I really appreciate you guys because if it wasn't for my dad in Korea or my husband training, you know, the troops to go, he was a drill sergeant, and I live with them, so trust me, um, you know, it, it just... It's just uh, a fabulous um, experience, and we are so blessed to have people like this giving their their lives and their um, time yeah. and their and just their lives to to do this, you know, to protect us and to help us and to, uh, I guess, just be American. Yeah. How's your dad doing? You said 88 and still going strong. You know what? 88, he still has his farm, and he still has grad sales every oh. other weekend in the summer. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of hard to handle. Uh, but, yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's it. He's, 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 yeah. he's it. I That's mean, he, he's squared away Good. and uh, drives and does everything. Good. and. I've got pictures, and I've got, you know, information, and um, he's just, 
something else. That's awesome. You know? And and I got to ask you, Chris, uh, the the other part of your tribute, what's the toughest part about being married to a drill sergeant? I'll tell you what. (laughs) If we ever get in an argument, what I do is I open the sock drawer and I throw all the socks on the floor because they're so organized. That when you when you shuffle up their clothes or shuffle up their socks, they're so angry. But but that just makes them uh, focus, you know. But yeah. So if you if you want if you want to tick off a drill sergeant, just fluff fluff up their clothes <laughs> or or put their stuff on the floor, and I'll tell you what, you'll get a response. Ooh. Chris, you're diabolical that way. I appreciate the call, Chris. The emotion in your voice and the sentiment strikes a chord with everybody. Thank you so much, and certainly thanks to your father. Thank you. I bless you, and I think you guys are great. Great. The best. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And, and, and to your husband, the drill sergeant, as well. Boy, a little insight there, huh? Get an argument, mess up the sock drawer. Because you know the drill sergeant has everything all laid out in perfect symmetry and all the clothes and all that stuff. Just throw a couple things on the floor, and that's how you get back during an argument. Eight five five, Good uh, good, good starting call. 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Texter 414, my father, Ken Mosh or MASH, 30 years in the Navy. He is the greatest man that I know. Another text. I would like to pay tribute to my uncle, Harvey Craning, Croning, Craning, who is 92, going strong. He served in Korea. Somebody else says, Scott, we have a whole family of veterans, the Navones, I believe the family, the Navones, my dad, John, my sister, Bridget, my brother, Dominic, my brother, Mike, and myself, Steve. Happy Veterans Day to all. And thank you all. Thank you, Steve. To uh, a, a salute here to Fred Grasscamp, Grasscamp, a Vietnam veteran. Shout out on the text line to First Lieutenant Brandon Krawcheck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess Krawcheck. Stationed at um, Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma from his good-looking uncle, Mike. 855-616-1620. We have some some calls as well. We'll go to you. Open lines on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Who would you like to pay tribute to on this Veterans Day? Those who are still walking among us and have given us so much. They've served or are serving our country. Scott in for Jeff. More in a moment. WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff Wagner. I'll be with you till 3 Noon to three again tomorrow. Jeff is back on Monday and on this Veterans Day, allowing you to, well, recognize somebody in your life that has served or is serving, for that matter. We have plenty of active military, certainly all across the globe, and an opportunity for you to give them a shout-out, as the kids say, on Veterans Day. Let's go back to the phones here, shall we? Milwaukee, it is Sarah. Hello, Sarah. The floor is yours. Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So my shout-out is for my grandpa, uh, Wallace Reitler. He served in World War II. Um, He went over to France and served as military police for our guys over there and came home, met my grandma, and the rest is history. And he is still kicking it today, and he's just doing really great. How's he doing? 
What's one of the favorite things about when you hang out with Grandpa? Tell me about him. Tell me about Wallace. <laughs> uh, it's it's got to be his storytelling. Mm. He is so... He just loves telling stories about um, not so much the war, um, but, like, when him and my grandma would go traveling places and um, they would always snowbird it to Arizona sure. uh, for the winter months. Um, and they would drive. He would drive their uh, their camper out to Arizona, and they would stay at the same uh, campground. They had all their friends out there. And so he just loves talking about all the stuff that him and my grandma were able to do um, once he yeah. was home from the military and he was retired and everything like that. So it's got to be the stories. And I love I love hearing them. Every time you we know, get together, it's so. it's it's amazing. How, how can I put this and not make it very obvious, um, or not make it as an understatement? But it's incredible when you think about all the all the lives. How do I say this? Not all the lives that were changed, but you know, you look at the course of history, right, Sarah? And you think about your life, yes. and you think, man, if Grandpa doesn't serve in in World War II. There's a good chance his life turns out differently and he doesn't meet grandma. And if, if they don't meet grandma, then I don't know if it's, it's your mom's dad or your dad's dad, but then my mom or dad never happen. And if my mom or dad never happen, then they never meet and then I'm never born. I mean, you, you start looking at the way the dominoes fall with life events and for generations, it was war. That altered the course of people's lives. It set them off on a trajectory where they they led lives that they would otherwise not have led. And they met people that they never would have otherwise would have met. And because of that, you, me, Sarah, I got a similar story. You and me are here because of their service and what came of it in the years and decades after. And you look at it that way, it's just... It, it sometimes it's obvious, I think, but it's also remarkable in in how generations were were crafted and formed and changed forever because of the service. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent agree. There she is, Sarah. I appreciate the call, so, and uh, thank you for calling yes. in and offering that uh, salute to your grandfather. Texter says, "I'd like to uh, salute my father, Stephen Stephen Dudek of Milwaukee." who lied about his age and at 17 joined the Navy. He served on a minesweeper and a battleship in the China Sea. 608, I would like to honor my two cousins who served overseas on tours in Afghanistan, one of whom remains paralyzed from his war injuries. 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gianni is in Montello. Good afternoon, Gianni. Who would you like to salute, literally and figuratively, on this Veterans Day? Well, I, I've done both. As a matter of fact, uh, my father, Richard, who was sitting at the kitchen table eating uh, cranberries and yogurt, uh, was growing cranberries. He was a merchant marine uh, in, in 1945, um, uh, supplying the, the the troops in the Pacific, um, getting ready for that um, you know the, the possible invasion of, of Japan, which 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 fortunately did not happen. But uh, the Merchant Marine, uh, let's give them all uh, 
you know, a, 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 a shout out because during you know, the, the early part of the war, the Merchant Marine ran uh, supplies. They called it the Mamask Run up, up, up in northern, up in northern Russia. And um, if you can imagine, my, my father wasn't involved in that, but you can imagine the the um, the peril. Sure. Uh, in, in, in the North Atlantic, with with the uh, sure. you know, the Nazi U boats and the, the torpedo and and that in yeah, the cold water and that. Yeah. So, um, Gianni, uh, sh- what is to, yeah to the merchant marine? What is the name of your dad again? Richard. Richard. You said he's right there right now Richard. with you. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he, he has some dementia, but he's able to eat, and that he's ninety-five. Awesome, ninety-five. That's great. So, uh, and my grandfather, uh, his father, uh, uh, Reuben, um, served in. Uh, shout out to him. Served in uh, World War One, uh, um, Paris Island, yeah. and uh, he 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 caught the Spanish flu, and was not shipped out uh, overseas because of that. It was you know at the end of the, the war and that uh, World War One, but. Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting how how you know fate can yep. uh, fate send us all on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, a crazy Say that track. Again. And here we are. Because here we of are, fate. Gianni. So, I appreciate. I, I, I got. I got to get a couple others in there, uh, Gianni. I'm sorry to cut. I got to get one more on here. But uh, give our best to Richard when you hang up the phone. Give him our best and tell him we're all thinking of him and appreciating his service very much. Let me squeeze in one more. I just I wanted to make sure we got this one. Rose is in Menominee Falls. Okay, Rose, go ahead. You'll get our last Veterans Day salute. Thank you, Scott. I'd like to honor my brother, Jim Snell. He was a Vietnam. Uh, he was in the Army in Vietnam from 1968 to 1971. And I just wanted him to know that his brother and his three sisters are very proud of him and now he does i think he probably knew that already rose but um appreciate you sharing that and now we all know how much you appreciate that and we appreciate him as well rose thank you so much um glad we could do that and i know other shows have done that and this is everything else we have going on right now and we do rittenhouse trial packers sport take a moment if you know a veteran, if you run into a veteran sometime, look, you don't have to just do it this day. Obviously, I get that. But it's important that we set some time aside to just focus, block out all the other noise of our lives, and recognize what these men and women have done and are doing for all of us. And we appreciate it. And we thank them on this November 11th. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Are you looking for somewhere to watch Sunday's Packers game when Aaron Rodgers connects with Odell Beckham Jr. for the first time? Kidding. People are like, what? what? Kidding. Kidding. This still could happen, but probably not. He's not a Packer. Calm down. Join WTMJ's Debbie Lazica at Fox's Pub in Greenfield. Deb will be there from 3 until 6. Remember, it's a later afternoon game. 3 until 6, games, prizes, so much more. Plus, enjoy Miller Lite and Coors Light bottles for three twenty-five dollars or $2.25 for taps. It's the Miller Lite Packers watch party with WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga. For more info, head to WTMJ.com. I assume if it happens, Matzik, Greg Matzik's going to come storming in here quickly and... Hair on fire. 
theoretically speaking. Greg is bald and shaves his head. So I'm not All right. Got a little time left here before we give way to Greg and John and Melissa. So let's do this. Great Scott. Okay. Are you, Kyle, thumbs up, thumbs down, Elon Musk? I find Elon Musk to be a very polarizing figure. You go, meh. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. Kyle Pachinski, affirm, meh. Well, like him, hate him, or meh. The SpaceX mogul insists he will move to Mars. Not soon enough! And believes humans need to colonize our neighboring planet to become a multi-planet species. However, experts warn that it's not just the perilous 140 million mile journey which would be dangerous. If you survive the trip. But that's kind of what the old pioneers went through, right? The 49ers. The original 49ers, not the football team. You're going to make the trip out west? Good luck. If you survive the journey, you'll be in good shape. Anyway, experts also warn, what if you make the, the journey, humans will endure the most brutal living conditions imaginable. But, but, it's the children of Martian settlers who would undergo the mass, most drastic of changes. According to Rice University biologist Scott Solomon, these changes would happen much quicker than they would on Earth because of the vast changes in lifestyle, gravity, and radiation. Firstly, Mars is smaller than Earth, and it has 38% less gravity. It lacks also a global magnetic field, lacks a thick atmosphere, and a protective ozone layer. This means Mars gets battered by space radiation, UV light, charged particles from the sun, and cosmic rays. This would cause, follow the, the chain reaction here, this would cause higher mutation rates in the DNA of humans living there. Dr. Solomon says, the skin tone of settlers would likely change to help them cope with the radiation. This, mean, this would mean darker skin and possibly in a tone, in a color we've never seen before in humans. Solomon says, perhaps in the face of this high radiation, we might evolve some new type of skin pigment to help deal with that radiation. And then, here it is, quote, maybe we get our own green men, end quote. Solomon believes humans on Mars, in addition to being green, would be more nearsighted as they would only live in their small communities and would no longer need to see far away. He cites cave fish living in deep trenches that have gone blind because they no longer need their vision. Studies have also shown that children who spend more time indoors become nearsighted. But that's not all. He goes on. Humans would also develop brittle bones, weaker muscles. He writes, science fiction has often portrayed Martians or aliens as being tall, lanky, and thin. Weaker bones due to the lack of gravity could also cause a woman's pelvis to break during childbirth. Meanwhile, Dr. Solomon also believes humans on the red planet would lose their immune system fairly quickly because they would be living in a sterile environment. This is because the settlers would have no need for a body capable of fighting off germs. 
These changes could mean that humans are forced to splinter from their Martian cousins as physical contact such as sexual intercourse could be lethal for the little green men. Are you following the chain reaction here? This is what it's going to be like on Mars. The current plan, according to Musk and SpaceX, are to send the first uncrewed version of the vessel to t- by 2024. And the dream, of course, is colonizing Mars with the vision of mankind's first city by around 2050. He's confident the first humans will land by 2026. So we're looking at, what, it's only 29 years away, right? Right? By 2050. So, again, the takeaway from Dr. Solomon, biologist at Rice University, kids born on Mars after Elon Musk's SpaceX missions would have brittle bones, weak eyesight, and green skin tone. Their mothers may die in childbirth when their pelvis breaks. They'll also, again, not be able to see very far. If that still all appeals to you, then you can sign up and be part of that early colony on Mars. It's only 29 years away, folks. That's it. That's all. You got to start thinking this way. And again, all of that is assuming you survive the 140 million mile journey. (laughs) Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. (laughs) And there it is. A Thursday afternoon Wagnerless show edition of Great Scott. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Oh, no. See, this is why. This is why I spent a portion of the show saying calm down about all the OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. noise. Adam Schefter, ESPN, three minutes ago, former Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. is finalizing a deal with the Los Angeles Rams. Do you have the sad trombone somewhere? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Two minutes ago, OBJ expected to be an L.A. Ram. This is why I told you guys, gals, lower your expectations. The only thing that sucks about this is if you weren't going to come here, go somewhere else against a team the Packers won't have to play. Um, they got to play the Rams, right? Rams come here in a couple weeks. And the Rams are in the uh, conference, of course. <sighs> Again, I thought the hype around him is a bit overblown, but there still is a talent there. You know this is going to blow back on Goody and the Packers. They never signed the guy they're supposed to sign. How can you do this? With All right. Is everybody okay? Are we going to have to do some sort of uh, recuperation of Packers fans here? As much as Packers fans were excited, this was not quite J.J. Watt anticipation and excitement. I mean, when Wisconsin's own chose Arizona and the money over the Green Bay Packers. That People took that a lot more personally. And I don't think that was the right reaction to take, but... All right, folks. You can be okay. Kyle, are you all right? 
Are you disappointed? Are you sad? You're going to be able to pick up the pieces and move on with your day, knowing that Odell Beckham Jr. is choosing to go with the with the the yellow and blue instead of the green and gold, and that that is the only thing that's kind of a oh crap is that it's a it's an NFC contender. It's a team the Packers will likely have to get through, not just in the regular season, but possibly in the postseason. That's the only thing is. And then Brian D said it really well this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. You'd hate to see that. You'd hate to see him go somewhere and then have a big play against the Packers and help another team eliminate Green Bay at some point. Yeah, so it looks like we'll be playing him in uh, three weeks on the 28th. When at Lambeau. Yep, at Lambeau. Um, I think it makes the Rams pretty scary. A lot of mouths to feed, a lot of really good wide receiver, yeah. uh, wide receivers in their locker room. Stafford doing non-Detroit Lions Stafford things. I'm kind of happy for Matt Stafford. Is that weird? It'll be a good game for him. He'll he'll finally beat the Packers, perhaps. Wow, look um, at you. Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think he was going to be signing with the Packers. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was out there that, that the Packers were only offering the veteran minimum. And they only could. I doubt right? that changed today, that they might have upped their offer. So if he was going to be signing with the Packers, it would have been... Because he really, really mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, so there had to be a better deal out there. Not surprised by this. A little more money, and, and the Rams are a championship contender. So he's able to like check the championship possibility box and get a little more money. And he gets to live and play in L.A. And there's also that. So from his perspective, you can't really fault the guy. I know that's not going to stop. Yeah, somebody said, what happened after Sunday? I said it was just a report. It was just a report that he was going to announce it after Sunday. So much for the idea he just wanted more attention. Not that he's not going to get the attention here. There you have it. It happened. We broke the news. Odell Beckham Jr., according to Adam Schefter, is expected to be a member of the Los Angeles Rams. There you have it. It'll be okay. You'll be it'll be okay. It'll be all right. We don't have the R E L A X quote on standby, but relax. We'll get a preview from a very relaxed John Mercure, Melissa Barkley, and Greg Matson. A preview of Wisconsin's Afternoon News in just a moment.